Okay, we're holding where it says, Ella Omar Abzeda. About eight lines from the top of the page. It's the middle of a sugya. The Gemara is searching for who is the Tana of our Mishnah. Because the Chiddush that comes out from our Mishnah is that when you do the Mulach of Hitzah, you don't have to pick it up from a place that has a Dalat al Dalat Tvachim, and you don't have to place it down on an area that has 4x4 four four Tvachim. Because it, it was taken from the hand of the Oni and placed into the hand of the Balabayas, which is less than 4x4 four four Tvachim. So who is the Tana of our Mishnah? That's what the Gemara is searching for. So we tried to say it's Rabbi Kiva, and the Gemara said, no, there's no Raya. Then we tried to say it's Rebbe, and the Gemara brought two different sources to say it's Rebbe, and the Gemara explained, no, it's not a Raya for, for that it's a Rebbe either. So now the Gemara is going to try a fourth option. So Rabzeire says, Homani Acherimi. So rather we can say that our Mishnah follows the opinion of Acherim. The Tanya, we learned in the Braise the following Aloha. Acherim Oimrim. Acherim say, if you throw something from a Rishasarabim into a Rishasayachid, and somebody is standing in the Rishasayachid and he's catching, he's receiving what you're throwing to him. If the person that's catching the item that you threw to him remained standing in his place and he caught it. So it landed, it was perfectly aimed, and he, it came to him where he was standing and he st- stretched out his hands and he caught it. So then, Chayef, you are Chayef, because the item landed in its in- intended space that you forced, that you threw it, was supposed to land. However, what happens if the person that caught this item uprooted himself from his place and he ran towards the item and he, and he sort of, he caught it out of the ear and he stopped it before its intended place where it was supposed to land. So then, Chayef. Uh, sorry, uh, then Potter. In that case, it's Potter because the Malacha that you began when you uprooted it and you threw it did not land where it was supposed to land, so to speak. In that place, that the molacha that you did, the person that caught it, he made the hanach in a different space than where your akira was. No, so now the Gemara says, let's, let's see what happened over here. Omad b'kaimah v'kibol, person that caught it, caught it in the space where it was going to land. And there, what did we say? Chayev, how? Don't you need to have that the chayvet should land on a space of a dalad al dalad? Someone threw, so and it landed, and it landed in his hands. That's the assumption. So there's no dalad al dalad if it landed in his hands. Veleke, elo shmamino leibina makamar ba. So we see here that the opinion of achedim is you throw something and it lands in a person's hands, and his hands are not dalad al dalad. And if it, what landed in the place where it was intended to go to, you chayiv. So you don't need a dalad al dalad. The same question we asked before. Perhaps only a Hanoche is not necessary to be on Dalit al Dalit. But maybe the Akira does have to be from a Dalit al Dalit. We don't know. When this person threw the item, he picked it up off a table, he picked it up off a place which was Dalit al Dalit. Right? So we only can see over here regarding the guy that caught it, that he caught it in his hands that are not Dalit al Dalit. But the person that threw it, he lifted it up from a place which is Dalit al Dalit. Vahanachanami and Eve regarding the person that caught the item in his hands. Who said it was in his hands? Doesn't say that Bafetish in this Braisa. Dilma, perhaps, the Pashat Knafe Vikibla. Maybe he stretched out his garment, which is large enough, a Dalit al Dalit, and he caught it into his garment. So it doesn't say it landed in his hands. Maybe it landed on a surface that is Dalit al Dalit. The Ekanami Anoche. So there's actually a Hanoche that it landed on a space of Dalit al-Dalit. 
So there's no source in this uh, statement of Acherim, not for an Akira being from a place which is not Dalar al-Dalar, and not for the Hanukha not being from Dalar al-Dalar. So Rabbi says, So let's go back to our Mishnah. So now Rabbi is going to say, you know what, instead of looking for who is the Tana that holds it, you don't need a Dalar al-Dalar, just like we said over here regarding Acherim, that this case of here is talking about a Dalar al-Dalar, he stretched out his garment and it has a space of Dalar al-Dalar, so let's go back to our Mishnah. Maybe our Mishnah is also talking about Adalar Adalit. Amar Ababe, Masnisen, our Mishnah, Kagoin. So there's a few girsas over here. The Bach, one of the girsas that the Bach says is Sha'okra Mitraskal, instead of Kibla Mitraskal, it's Okra Mitraskal. It was taken out of a basket. There was a hand, but in his hand was a basket. And the basket has a four by four Tvachim. Mitraskal. And what was placed down into the other hand was also within a basket. So it's not just talking about going from one hand to another hand. It's talking about going from a basket which is in the hand of the Oni into the basket which is in the hand of the Balabayas or vice versa. But there's a basket here. And the basket has a Dalit al-Dalit. The Ikenami Hanocha. So there's a Hanocha and a Dalit al-Dalit. That's the case of the Mishnah. So finish, resolved. We're not discussing over here a case where there's no Dalit al-Dalit. There is, it's a basket. A basket? Does it say anything about a basket in our Mishnah? It clearly says in our Mishnah, a hand. That he stretched out his hand, he placed in his hand, he took from his hand. It's all about the hand. The way to understand our Mishnah is that as if it says in our Mishnah that there's a basket in his hand. Zataka mentions only the hand, but it means the basket in his hand. Wait a minute, a basket is going to cause us a problem over here. What's the issue? This is going to work well when you're talking about the person, the Balabai is standing in the Rishus HaYochid, and he has a basket in his hands. If the case here is that the Oni standing in the Rishus HaRabim is holding a, a basket that's four by four Tfachim in his hands, that kind of a basket, Rishus HaYochid, that kind of a basket is a Rishus HaYochid. It, it, it has its, it gets its own din, its own rishos. If once it's four by four, even though it's in the rishos harabim, it's its own rishos. If it's above ten tefachim, as we'll see in a moment. So over here, how could you say that we're talking about a case where there's a basket? shall we say the loike Rabbi Yehuda that our Mishnah does not follow the statement that Rabbi Yisib Rabbi Yehuda said. The Tanya we learned in Abraham said Rabbi Yisib Rabbi Yehuda not kona berishos harabim. A person stuck. A stick into the Rishus Arabim. Traskel. And then above this stick, there's a basket. Zorak, and now you threw an item from the Rishus Arabim, Gabov. And it landed into this basket. Chayev, Yechayev. Why? Because the basket that's inside the Rishus Arabim is a Rishus for itself. It's a Rishus Ayachid. The basket is four by four Tfachim, even though it's in the Rishus Arabim and it's on a stick, which is in the Rishus Arabim. But because it's a basket, it's a Rishus Ayachid. Because if we're going to follow this opinion of Rabbi Yisrael Yehuda that says that a basket in the Rishus Arabim becomes a Rishus Ayachid, so let's go back to our Mishnah. The Balabai stretches his hand out. To the Rishus Arabim, and he places an item into the hands of the Oni. And what did we say? What are we talking about here? We're talking about a basket that's in the hands of the Oni. Amai Chayiv. Why is he Chayiv for what he just did? He just took something from Rishus Ayachid, he placed it into the hands of the Oni, or into the basket which is in the hands of the Oni, so it's going from Rishus Ayachid to Rishus Ayachid. 
Hmm. So we can't explain our mission to be speaking about a basket. That basket is a Rishus Yachid, like we just saw of Yaisir by Yehuda said. Enfer to Gemara, no, it's not a problem. In the case of Rabbi Yisrael by Yehuda, when he says that the basket becomes a Rishus Yachid, that's above ten Tvachim. Our Mishnah is speaking about the Oni, where his hands are below ten Tvachim, and in his hands he has a basket. That basket below ten Tvachim does not become a Rishus Yachid. Only above ten Tvachim does it become a Rishus Yachid. Rabbi Yisrael by Yehuda's Chiddush was above ten Tvachim, which is a Mokim Ptur. Over here, if it's a basket that has four by four tvachim, it's a rishus hayachid. But below ten tvachim in the rishus harabim, the basket does not become a rishus hayachid. Taisus talks about that. Very good question. Taisus asks that question that below rishus, even below ten tvachim, it should become a karmelis. And Taisus says there's a rule that we're going to see later: ain karmelis bekelim. The whole gzeir of chachamim, the whole concept of a karmelis, does not exist in a basket, which is a vessel. Carmelis is a rabbonan, it's a rishusta rabbonan, as we'll see in tomorrow's blot, Mitzvah There's no Carmelis in Kalim. That's the answer of Taisus. The Ani is carrying a basket in the Rishusta What's he doing carrying? Say okay, that's a different question about how he got there. He's holding a basket in the Rishusta yeah. So the Gemara is making a distinction between Lamay Lamayud and Lamatimayud. So. This whole distinction is benegated to the Rishus Arabim because the Rishus Arabim only extends up to ten Tvachim, not higher than ten Tvachim. What's the reason? Why, why does the Rishus Arabim not go higher than ten Tvachim? Al Pichsidis, the reason is something that's brought in my modem, in the Chanukah, my modem. It says benegated to Chanukah when you light the Menorah, you're supposed to light it after below ten Tvachim. Why below ten Tvachim? Because the whole theme and the whole concept of the mitzvah is to bring the Persuminissa and to bring out Chashecha and Bachot in the lowest place. And to bring the shechina down, the expression of is to bring it down to a space where the shechina, to Chazal say that the shechina is not yaded and you light the menorah below to draw the shechina down below ten tefachim. <coughs> so over here, the existence of the shusarabim. What does the shusarabim represent? The multiplicity and the separation from the Eibishter, that's below ten Tvachim. Above ten Tvachim, where you have the presence of the Shechina, over there there's no such a thing as Rishus Sarabim. Dafka, below ten Tvachim, do you have the existence of Tura de Pruda, of separation of the Eibishter? How many feet in the Tefach? Huh? How many feet is a Tefach? No, help me out. I didn't uh, measure it. Uh, yet. Very pretty low. Pretty low. Pretty low. This table is around is four <coughs> inches. So a tefach is four inches. There you go. So ten tefachim is about forty inches. Okay, Rabbi Tabi says it's closer to three. So then it's between forty and thirty inches. It's not not very tall at all. Not very very tall at all. As we'll see over here in the Hamshich of the Gemara, it's like in the Gemara. The Gemara is going to explain this Indian about below ten tefachim. Kashile Rabavo. So Rabavo had a question on this whole interpretation here. Going back to the question that we asked before. Does it say in the Mishnah that there was a basket in his hands? It doesn't say about a basket in the Mishnah. All it says in our Mishnah is that there was a hand, no basket. So therefore, Rabavo, because of this question, didn't like Rabbi Abbas Pshat. Rabavo, Rabavo said, rather the Pshat in the Mishnah is different. The person lowered his hand below three Tvachim. That is within the space of three tefachim to the ground. The kibla, and that's how he received the item in his hands. 
So he didn't just receive it in his hands, but if it's within the space of three tvachim to the ground, whatever he takes into the gr- his hand is lovud to the ground as if he's taking it and receiving it on the ground itself, which is of course the space of four tvachim. So that's the reason why there's no issue of taking it into his hands. This person is standing. Omet says the, the Ani is standing on the inside, the Balabais is standing on the outside, that is, and Balabais is standing on the inside. He's standing. His hands are not near the ground. And for the Gemara, he bent down. He bent down. When he received it, he bent and he received it with his hands within the space of uh, Fort Tvachan from the ground. Or we could say, he's standing in some kind of a ditch some kind of a hole where therefore he's, his, he doesn't have to bend down because he's standing within this ditch, so therefore his hands are close to the ground. Another, another uh, option, bananas. we're talking about a midget, that his hands are, not, are, are near the ground. That's, that's, uh, that's, that, one second, one second, let's see what the Gemara says. So it's interesting because usually when you have a guma in a Rishus Arabim, so it's not part of the Rishos Arabim. You could ask the question. So this Ani is not even standing in the Rishos Arabim anymore. He's standing inside a Guma that's not part of the Rishos Arabim. So Taisus over here asks this, and Taisus says, we're going to have to say it. it's a kind of Guma which people of the Rishos Arabim use as part of the Rishos Arabim, and therefore it's still, this Guma is still part of the Rishos Arabim. Otherwise, this little ditch, this little Guma, is a Carmelist. It's not part of the Rishos Arabim, Bechlau. Okay. Now the Gemara asks on this, Omarove, so Rove said to Rabavo, Ichbul Tana Lashmin on Kolhani. The Tana is teaching me the case of the Mishnah, and it only applies in any of these strange cases. That's what the, when the Tana says, Pashatani Asyada in the Balabais, it's only talking about these strange cases. Either he's a midget, or he bent down, or he. This is what the Tana is talking about. Ela Omarove. <coughs> so therefore, Rav says, no, when the Tanis says what he says, he's talking about a regular case. There's an Ani, there's a Balabayis, he's standing and it's his hand. There's no, there's no basket, there's no bending, there's no midget. What is the Mishnah talking about? Like the Mishnah says, literally, the Pashta Pshat, that the guy is standing there. So what's the Pshat in the Mishnah? The hand of a person has the Chshivis of Dalad al Dalad. When you come to any other surface, it has to have the space of a dalit al dalit to have a permanence for the place that you're putting it down or the place that you're picking it up from. But the hand of a person is different. The hand of a person has the permanence and has the chshivis of dalit al dalit, even though it doesn't have that <coughs> physical space. Ravan also said in the name of Rabbi The hands of a person have the chshivis of Dalit al-Dalit, even though it doesn't have that physical space. So after all the discussion, this is the final conclusion of the Gemara, that the Mishnah means Kipshutai, we're talking about the hand, the hand of a person has that kind of a chshivis. <laughs> Another statement that was said in the name of Rabbi Yechenen, You threw an item, and... You threw it from a Rishus Arabim, for example, into a Rishus Yachid. It didn't land on any surface, but where did it land? It landed in a person's hands. So, then you'll be Chayiv. My Kamash Malon, what's the Chiddush of this statement? Why should you not be Chayiv? Is, is the Chiddush over here that even though it didn't land on a surface of Dalad al Dalad, it landed on a surface of a person's hands, Yachayiv? We just quoted the statement of Rabbi Yechenen. Rabbi Yechenen said a person's hand is considered to be a dalad al dalad. Why does he have to say again regarding a case where you threw the item and it landed in someone's hand? 
And for the Gemara, Mao, the Tamer, I would think to say, Han, Emili, when do I say that the, a person's hand that it lands in? Is like a Dalit al Dalit, Heche da Achshava Hu when you were machsh of his hands, you have the balabayis that's intentionally placing it into the Ani's hands. He wants the Ani to receive this piece of bread. So you are putting it there, b'chavona, so you were machsh of his hands. And therefore, even if it's not a dalit al dalit, it has that chshivas because you intended to put it down there. Aval hocha, aval hecha, that is, hecha deloy achshava. If you are not machsh of that space, you threw it. You throw the item towards the rishus hayachid. It could have landed on the ground. And here this person is standing there and it lands in his hands. You didn't intend that it should land in his hands. So, if you did not intentionally throw it and give chshivis to this person's hands, over here, if it ends up landing in this person's hands, I would say that his hands do not have the chshivis of Dalit al-Dalit. Therefore, we have the second statement of Rabbi Yechenen. Not only when you are intentionally placing it down in his hands, does his hands have that chshivis of Dalit al-Dalit for the malacha? Even when it just landed there, you threw it and it ended up landing there, it also has the chshivis of Dalit al-Dalit. That's the second statement of Rabbi Yechenen. A third statement from Rabbi Yechenen, and this is what the Gemara quoted before, Omer Ab-Ovin, Omer Ab-Iloi, Omer Before we had it in the name of Acherim, basically. Here the Gemara brings in the name of Rabbi Yechenen. The person that received the item you, that you threw in his direction, he didn't catch it out of the ear. The item landed right where he was standing and he received it in his hands, Chayev. Then the item landed where it was intended to land when you threw it, so therefore you Chayev. The person that received it, the person that caught this thing, he jumped out of his position and he caught it out of the ear and he didn't allow it to land where it was intended to land, so then Potter. Then the person that threw it is Potter. This is what it said in the Braise that we quoted before. <coughs> if you stood in your space and you caught it where it was intended to land and you stepped out of your place and you caught it out of the ear and you did not allow it to land where it was intended to land then Potter maybe, maybe maybe to no, it's, not, it's not only about the kavone, it's about the, the koyach of the akira that the person put into the chayfetz where it was that Kayach of Akira, where the Hanocha of that Akira was going to happen naturally. And over here, this person caught it out of the air and didn't allow it to land where it was naturally intended to land. That's the shot here. <coughs> How about a case where a person throws an item? And then, <laughs> the same person that threw the item runs <laughs> into the Rosh Hashanah, so he, the person throwing, was and he caught it into the Rosh Hashanah. Mahu. What's the pshat? What, is he, the same person that threw it ran after the item, and he caught the item over there in the Rosh Hashanah. Is he chayev a potter? So you think, why shouldn't he be chayev? He did the malacha, the hakira, and then he ran to the item, and he did the hanacha as well. Why shouldn't he be chayev? What is the question over here? Why, what, what would be the suffix? There's an Akira and there's a Hanoche. Omer Avada Barave, Sar Avada Barave says, the, the suffix is as follows. Shnei Koiches Ba'odom Echad. You have two different Koiches, they're, they're both coming from the same person, but they're two different Koiches that are not working hand in hand, they don't, they're not working together. What happened over here? When the person ran towards the Chayfetz and he caught it, 
he didn't catch it in its place where it was intended to land. He didn't run. The case over here is not that he ran towards the chayfetz and then he was able to catch the chayfetz in its position where it was going to land. He threw the chayfetz and then he ran after the chayfetz and stopped it and caught it out of the air, not in the place where it was going to land. So there was an akira, which was done with one energy, where it was intended to land in one place, and then he ran after the chayfetz and he, he caught the chayfetz out of the air. The hanacha happened with a kayach that didn't allow the chayfetz to land where it was intended to land. So just like we said, Benigayah to a second individual that catches it out of the ear and does not allow the chayfetz, the akira of the chayfetz, to complete in its intended space, maybe we could say the same thing regarding the same person himself. There's an akira that he does, and then the hanacha that the same person did are not working in sync. The akira was intended for one place, and the hanacha that he ran after the chayfetz and caught the chayfetz and it didn't allow it to land in that place. So the question is, when you have two opposing kaychis, two kaychis, the, the second kaych is not allowing the first kaych to complete fully, <coughs> do I say, even though the anoche is not allowing the chayfetz to land based on where the akira was, but still, because it comes from the same person, he's the one that's doing both, so therefore it's all one person v'chayv. And therefore he is chayv, even though the Anoch and the Akira are not working together. Or do we compare it to the case where we had the two people, an Akira, and then the Hanocha happens in the place where it was not intended to land, even if it's the same person running after the chayfetz, because the Hanocha is not in sync with the Akira, it's not allowing the Akira to finish, so therefore it's like a second person that's stopping it, and therefore Potter, he would be Potter. Take this remains an unresolved question. What if he intended to... Ca- uh, to that doesn't make a difference. The kavon of the person doesn't make the, the, a difference. The point, the point over here is the energy that is inserted in the chayfetz where it naturally is intended to land. If it was a, a naturally intended to land in one space and then you run after it and you catch it out of the ear and you don't allow it to land in that space where it was intended to land meets out its nature, so then the akira and the hanacha are not working together. It's two different parts of the malacha that don't connect. Also, if he catches it this way, then you don't say Yadashim. Can you say Yadashim? It doesn't way. make a difference. Yeah, no, no. That, does the, that actually might be part of the reason of why Yadashim is Dalad al Dalad. It's because a person's hand is not just a surface that's a doimim. A person's hand has a kayach to be toifis a chayfetz. So, because he could be toifis a chayfetz, that itself is the part of the chshivis of the person's hand. Another statement in the name of Rabbi Yechenen. You stretch your hands into and you received raindrops into your hand. So at this point, the Gemara is thinking, the simple pshat of here is it's raining. And you stick your hand into the Rishos HaYachid and it rains into your hand and you take that water that was from those raindrops out into the Rishos HaRabim. And you bring it out into the Rishos HaRabim. You're chayef for doing a full malacha. So the question of this is, Maska flood up Zayda, why? Why are you Chayev? You didn't do any Akira. Mali what's the difference if you would stretch your hands into the Rishusayachid and the Balabayas placed something into your hands? So he did the Akira and placed it into your hands. So what's the din in the Mishnah? You only did the Hanachi. You take your hands out, you only did the Hanachi of Pater. And what the, what's the difference over here? The Eibishter is the one that's bringing the rain and placing the rain into your hands. You didn't do the Akira of that rain from wherever it comes, from the cloud. The Eibishter placed the rain into your hands and you just take out your hands. You only did a half a malacha. Why should you be chayef? <laughs> you did not do the Akira. 
After the Gemara, the statement of Rabbi Yechonah should not be read as that he received the raindrops into his hands. Kolat means he sort of caught the rain. So Rashi says at this point the Gemara thinks, the Pshad over here is that the rain comes down and with one hand he takes those raindrops and pushes it into another hand. Kolat, he sort of grabbed it out of the ear and pushes the raindrops from, from the ear from, with one hand into his second hand. So he's like sort of filling his hand with raindrops, hmm. filling his hand with water, and when his hand is full enough, so then he takes his hand out. So he did that kira. So he, took, he sort of took it out of the ear and pushed it into his other hand. That's the pshat. So not kibble, but kolat. There's no shear? One second, one second. No, there, of course there is. Of course there is. When there's a shear, we're going to discuss in later prokim. The Gemara doesn't get into the shear here. So kolat. That's the pshat here. Frek the Gemara. How does kolat work? But you have to have an akira from a space which is dalad al dalad. He's being oikirit from thin air. The rain is coming in the air and he's pushing the rain from the air into his hands. So the akira is not coming from any surface whatsoever. If it's coming from, from the ear, so there's definitely no proper akira. adds another detail to this statement. It was rain that was flowing down on, the, on a wall. So the rain was on some kind of a surface. It was on the surface of a wall, and there was the raindrops that were flowing down on a wall. And he took that rain, those raindrops from the wall, and he put it into his hand, and like this, he took his hand out. Is that a kind of a surface? If you do an akira from a wall, from a surface of a wall, that's a surface that's, that's a proper akira for the malacha? The raindrops that are flowing down a wall is not in the position where it lands and it's there. It's flowing, it's an emotion, it's not, it's not a solid space where it lands and it's there and you remove it from there. And for the Gemara, we're going to be talking about here, similar to our case that Rav said, it's a slanted wall, it's not a wall, a regular wall, it's a slanted wall and therefore the rain that's flowing in that wall doesn't mamish flow in a constant motion. That rain in that wall could flow and it stops. And when that raindrop landed on that wall in the Rishusa Yachid, so from that Kaisel Meshuppah, where the raindrop lands, he took the rain and put it in his hands and brought it out into the Rishusa Rabbim. The Gemara brings the source of the statement that Rava said. Where is the source of this statement of Rava where he was speaking about the slanted wall? The statement of Rava was regarding the following Mishnah. A person was reading in a sefer on an a elevated uh, ledge or an elevated skupa, a, a, a doorstep, a door where he was, he was elevated above the Rishus Arabim, and he's sitting there right at the, right at the entrance of his house, and he's going into the Rishus Arabim, and he sits there and he's reading in a sefer. And Arashi explains here, if you look at the top Rashi of the page, Kol Svadim Shalahem Asuyim Kimagila. All of their Svadim in those times were made like a Megillah, which was a scroll. Hmm. They didn't have binded Svadim. They were re- he was reading out of a, a scroll. What happened? When his Galgal Asefim Yodai, the scroll is rolled out of his hand. And so he's still holding on to one part of the scroll, but the other part rolled down into. down. So, yeah, roll down. And what happened? So, is he allowed to pull it back up? Is he allowed to roll it back up to himself? It's on Shabbos. So, now, roll down. Is he allowed to bring it back up to himself? So, the Mishnah says, yes. He may roll it back up. 
Why is he allowed to roll it back up? So Rashi explains, this askupa that he was sitting on is a Rishus HaYachid. It's, it's not a Rishus HaYachid, that is. It's a Karmelis. If he was sitting in a Rishus HaYachid, and the scroll rolled down into the Rishus HaRabim, so then he's going to roll it back up, he's bringing something from the Rishus HaRabim back into the Rishus HaYachid. That wouldn't be allowed. But over here, He's sitting on this askupa, which is a dalad al dalad. It's, do, it doesn't, it's not inside the Rishus HaYachid, and therefore it's a Carmelist, and it rolled down into the Rishus HaRabim. Here Chachamim allowed him to roll it back up because you have a combination of two things. Number one, he's only sitting on a Carmelist, and number two, he didn't drop it. He didn't drop it into the Rishus HaRabim. If he fully dropped it, and now he wants to pick it back up and bring it into the Carmelist, that's also not allowed. But because he's holding on to the one half of the scroll, and only a part of the scroll rolled down, so he's allowed to roll it back up into the space where he is. If he was sitting on a rooftop, so that's not a space which is a Carmelist. Here he's Mamash and Rishus HaYochit. And the safe rolled down, part of the scroll rolled down into the Rishus Arabim. So now is he allowed to roll it back up? If it, if it rolled down, but it did not enter below 10 Tvachim, so then he's allowed to roll it back up. Because above 10 Tvachim is still not the Rishus Arabim. But once it rolled down into the Rishus Arabim, below 10 Tvachim, so then you have to just turn it over, and so it shouldn't be, uh, have the proper honor. Then that space where it is, you turn it over, and you have to leave it there until after Shabbos. You can't roll it back up. That's the din of the Mishnah. Now on this Mishnah, the question was asked, when it rolled down into the Rishus Arabim, even within Ten Tvachim into the Rishus Arabim, why is he not allowed to roll it back up? It didn't land in the Rishus Arabim. It's dangling in the ear space within Ten Tvachim of the Rishus Arabim, but it didn't land on any space. So if it didn't land, there's no Akira Bukhlal. And he's still holding an up, the, a part of it in his hands. So why shouldn't he be allowed to, to bring it back up to himself? That was the question that was asked on this Mishnah. When it landed, when it went down below 10 Tvachim into the Rishus Arabim, it landed on a slanted wall. It's not dangling in mid-air. If it was dangling in mid-air, there's no Akira, and therefore he's still holding on to a part of the scroll, he would be allowed to pull it back up to himself. But because it did land on a Kaisal Meshupa, on a slanted wall, so therefore it landed somewhere. So therefore he's not allowed to pull it back up because he's doing an Akira when he uproots it, when he brings it back from that Kaisal Meshuppah. Taisus over here clarifies, a Kaisal Meshuppah, this Kaisal Meshuppah that it landed on in the Rishus Arabim, it has to be a kind of Kaisal that has a halacha of a Rishus Arabim. The Rishus Arabim has to be a place that's 16 amas wide with uh, thousands of people walking there. This Kaisal Meshuppah is part of the Rishus Arabim. So Taisvah says, we're talking about a, a, a Kaisal Meshuppah in the Rishus Arabim, which is a space that all the people of the Rabim use. And therefore it's part of the Rishus Arabim. We'll see later on Davav Amidbeis, Dav Zayim, we'll see different areas in the Rishus Arabim. If the Rabim use it, it become, it's part of the Rishus Arabim. So that's what we're talking about over here. <coughs> yeah, then it wouldn't be a problem. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to examine did the statement that Rav has said regarding this Mishnah with the scroll, could we apply it back to the statement of Rabbi Yechanan where a person is taking the raindrops from the Kaisal Meshuppah and bringing it out into the Rishus HaRabim. Rav didn't say his statement originally regarding these raindrops. Rav said his statement regarding a scroll. So could we apply it to the raindrops as well? Zakta Gemara. Rav. When did Rav say that it landed on a slanted wall? Besefer. 
That's regarding a safer, regarding the scroll. The Ovid Denayach. A scroll, when it lands even on a slanted wall, it, it will remain there in that position. It's a solid surface for it to remain there in one space. Mayim, however, rain, raindrops that are rolling down even a slanted wall, Mia Vida Denayachi. Will the raindrops remain in one position when it's rolling down a slanted wall? The raindrops are not in one position. The raindrops are, are moving. When the person takes those raindrops from the wall, it's not in a solid place. So therefore there's no Akira. So how can you compare what Rav said regarding a scroll to raindrops? So therefore the Gemara now goes back and says a completely different shot. Hello, Marav, rather we're not talking about rain. It's not raining. It's a sunny day. What are we talking about? You have a guma, a little um, pool of water. In, in whatever, in a, in, a, in, a, in a guma, in a little position, huh? In, inside the ground, there's some rain there, raindrops that are in, inside the ground. That's not raining, but you have water inside a guma, or inside a dish, or whatever it is, and he takes some of the rainwater in his hands. He sticks his hand into that water, takes some of the rain, some of the water out into the Rishosarabim. guma, pshita. If there's rain water, that's there in a guma, in some kind of a ditch, or some kind of a hole, and he sticks his hand in and takes out some rain into the Rishus Arabim. So for sure he's chayiv. He was oiking it from its space, and he brought it into the Rishus Arabim, and he made a hanocha. Why shouldn't he be chayiv? Pshita. And for the Gemara, ma'u deteme mayim al gabi mayim lav hanochahu. I would think that water is fluid, it's moving, it's not, it's not solid. And therefore, if you take water that rested upon the water that's below it, it's not on, you didn't take something off of a solid place. The water that's above, the water below it, is moving around. So therefore, it's not a proper Akira. Kamash so therefore, the Chiddush over here is that the water that's on the top, that's connected to the water that's below it, is, becomes one entity. You have water in a cup. You can't separate this, the water of the top, the water of the bottom. The whole entire space of the water from the top of the cup to the bottom is all one water. And it's lying on a solid surface of the bottom of the cup or the bottom of the guma. So therefore, Kamash that all the water is one entity and whatever you took off is considered to be that you removed it from a solid space. Rav's interpretation here follows his reasoning that he said in another place. When you have water that's on top of water, so all that water becomes one entity. So that's the space, that is its hanacha, that's where it's solid space where it is. And if you remove part of that water, that's an akira. How about if you have a walnut? that's floating on top of water, or any other item that's floating on top of water, that's not a solid surface where the thing is settled. It's floating around in the water. It's not solid. And therefore, if you remove that walnut from above water and you take it out into the Rishus Arabim, that's not a proper Akira because the walnut is not, does not become one with the water. The walnut is a separate entity of the water and it's floating around. It's not a proper Anocha. So now based on this, Rava had the following Iboye. Egois Bekeli. How about if you have a walnut? And the walnut is inside a keli, and the keli tzafal gabi mayim. And the keli is floating on the water. And the person went and took the walnut out of the keli, which is floating on the water. Did he do a proper akira from a space which is solid or not? What's the question? Basar Do I look at the walnut itself, the and the walnut is in a keli, 
and the keli is a solid space that the wall is on, and therefore he did do a proper akira. I I have to look at this space that the walnut is in, which is the keli. And that keli is not in a solid place. The keli is floating around in the water. And the water is not considered a solid space to do an akira from. So do I follow the egois itself, which is in a solid space, which is the keli, or do I follow the keli, which is on the water, which is floating around and not in a solid space? Are we assuming the keli is down Yes. Yeah. Teiku. So the Gemara doesn't resolve this question either. So this is the, this is the Shaila about the egois in the keli. Do we follow the water or do we follow, follow the keli, which is a solid space? How about shemen should suffer gabe yayin? You have oil that's floating on top of wine. What happens when oil floats on top of wine? So it's different than water. If you have water in a keli, so with the water that's on the top and the water that's on the bottom, mixes. It becomes one entity. So over there, Rav said, that water, it's on a solid space. But if you have oil on top of wine, the oil will float on the top of the wine. So you have the oil on top, and then below it you have the wine. It's two separate things. So, This, you can see in another case, is an argument between Rabbi Yechenen, Ben Nuri, and the Rabbanon. The Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, Shemesh itself, Agabe Yayin, oil that's floating on top of wine. Venogat full yayin b'shemen, at full yayin, which is a person that's tome to some extent. He's, uh, he, make, he makes trume, uh, tome, as Rashi here says. So, he touched the oil. So, the question is. If you touch the oil, does that affect also the wine? Does the wine become tummy? So the first opinion in the mission is, only the oil becomes tummy. The oil is a separate entity from the wine that's below it. Rabbi Yechen and Benuri says, no, they're both fluid, and therefore they're both connected. They are both connected, and therefore if you touch the oil, the wine below it also becomes tummy. So here we see this machlaikis. When you have oil and wine, do I say, because the oil always remains separate from the wine, so it's, it's the oil is one entity, the wine below it is a different entity, or do I say that because they're both fluid and they're touching each other, so therefore it's one entity, and therefore it all becomes tummy. Another statement from Rabbi Yechelen. A person had... On him, he's in a knapsack, whatever it is, the person was holding Eichelin Amashkin. Food, drink, and he's in constant motion. He's walking in and out, into the Rishus Yachid, out, the whole day he's walking in and out. So, he's not going to be Chayiv for the Malacha of Shabbos until the person stops in one place. You have to have a Hanoch. If the person's walking in and out and he doesn't stop, he's in constant motion, so there's no, uh, there's no Malacha. But Abai, Abai explained what did Rabbi Yechonim mean when he says Yamai to stop for lofush. The person actually stopped with the intention to rest. To rest. He's in constant motion. He's walking in and out. The person stopped to rest. Mimai. From where do I see that? The Gemara is going to explain in a moment. What is this coming to negate? For what other reason could a person stop? Let's say he only stopped because he wanted to reposition the food that he had and then his knapsack and he wanted to reposition the package that he's holding. That's the only reason he stopped. He didn't stop because he wanted to rest in that space, but he just wants to reposition the, the, the food that he's holding. That's not really stopping. That's a person just preparing himself to continue moving. So therefore that's not considered stopping. Only if it's lofush. If the person stopped to rest. Imai, from where do I see this? I see it from another statement. The master said another statement. A person that's walking in the Rishus So in the Rishus you may not move an item 
Dalar Amis and Rishus Harabim. Right? So if you're within the Dalar Amis of the Rishus Harabim, Omad Lofosh, and you stopped in middle of the Dalar Amis to rest, and then you continued walking to the end of the Dalar Amis, Potter. You didn't move the item for Amis. In, in the middle, you stopped. The person walked two Amis, he stopped. Continued walking to Amis and he stopped. So he didn't move it for Amis at once. But that's only if he stopped to rest. Lakateif, if he was walking for Amis in the Rishus Arabim, and he stopped in the middle just to reposition the packages on his back, but he was intending to continue walking. So then, Chayev, even though you stopped in the middle of the Dal Amis, you're Chayev because you didn't really stop. You didn't want to rest in the middle, you were just repositioning your package. So then, you're Chayev. <coughs> if the person walked the full space of the four Amis, if the person stopped at the end of the Dal Damas to rest over there, Chayiv, because he, he made a, a resting stop, so therefore he completed the Malacha. If the person walked four Amis, but at the end of the four Amis, he only stopped to reposition his package, and he's, then he continues walking, and he didn't do a Hanacha, Pater. Then it'll be potter. So we see here that it depends what the person's intention is when he stops. Is he repositioning his package or is he really resting? What is the Chiddush over here? What's, what do we see from this statement of Rabbi Yechinen? That this person, the Akira that he did, was not originally att- intended for this over here for the, to, to make this stop. What's the Chiddush over here? <coughs> Rabbi Yechinen already said this once before. <coughs> A person that's moving around within his house from one corner to another corner. He's not, he, he, when he picked up the item, he wasn't intending to go out into the Shusarabim. He's moving around an item within his house from one corner to another corner. Vinimlach, and then in the middle, after he picked up this item, he changed his mind. Vinimlach alein vaitzion, and he decided he's going to walk out within the Rishusarabim. Potter, so he's Potter because when he picked up the item, what was his intention? His intention was not to take it out to the Rishusarabim. His intention was to put it down in another space in the Rishusayachid, and then he changed his mind after he picked up the item. He's Potter. Because originally, when he picked up the item, this was not his kavana. Right? So this is the statement that Rabbi Yechanan said, that a person that picked up the item, and he did not intend to take it out, and then he changed his mind after he picked it up, so therefore he's Potter. So Rabbi Yechanan said this already once. There are two Amiraim that are repeating something in the name of Rabbi Yechanan. One Amirah repeated it in this example with this uh, language. And another one repeated it in another language. There was Rabbi Law. Rashi says, We have Rabbi Loi and we have Rabbi Ami. They're both saying statements in the name of Rabbi Yechanan. And they both are repeating the same point. That if when you pick up an item and you take it out into the Rishus Arabim, if when you picked it up, you intended to walk out into the Rishus Arabim, then when you go into the Rishus Arabim, you place it down into the Rishus Arabim, are you chayev? But if when you picked it up, you intended to place it down in the Rishus HaYachid, and then you changed your mind after you picked it up and you walked out into the Rishus HaRabim, so then, because you originally did not pick it up with that Kavana, so then you're Potter. So both Amiraim are saying the same thing, they just repeated it in the name of Rabbi Yechen and with different examples. Okay, that's the end of the evening.
go ahead. No. What's the problem? Is it still on? 